Welcome back for this week's episode of Access and Opportunity. This season, we are exploring how influential investors from across various pools of capital are helping women and multiculturally-led businesses gain access to capital. Today, we'll be talking to the leader of one of the largest Black-owned private equity firms in America, Joanne Price. 25 years ago, Joanne Price created Fairview Capital with her co-founder, Larry Morse. As a fund of funds, Fairview invests in funds who in turn have their own investment thesis in private equity, venture capital, or real estate. As managing partner of Fairview Capital, Joanne has devoted her career to creating opportunities that successfully intermediate capital between institutional investors and underserved markets. Today, Joanne will talk to us about how and why she started Fairview, the principles the firm is founded on, why diversity in the investment landscape matters, and how other people can follow in her footsteps to increase the amount of capital available to underrepresented groups. Alrighty, now let's talk to Joanne. All right, Joanne. Well, it is so good to see you. It has been a long time, and I'm so excited to have this conversation because you have been a unicorn, frankly, in the private equity space. Thank you. You're most welcome. So 25 years this coming fall for Fairview Capital. For the purpose of our listeners who are not familiar with your journey, let's talk a little bit about what provoked you to get Fairview started in the first place and what that process was like, because it's, it's tough raising capital if you're a multicultural founder or if you're a woman today, and you happen to be both. So let's talk about what that process was like then and, you know, kind of what you see now on the horizon. The process at that time, I was president of the National Association of Investment Companies, and the investment executives felt that it was time to begin to look at ways to raise larger pools of capital. And the um, executives came to me on the phone, actually, initially, and said, Joanne, I think this is something you're going to have to do. And I really just hung the phone up on them. <laughs> so a few months later, I decided to do it. And the main reason I did was because I believed it. Mm-hmm. I believed in the people. I believed in what we were trying to do. I believed in the next steps. What does Fairview do? So Fairview actually invests in funds. And the reason why Fairview was started as a fund of funds was to be able to aggregate capital from pension funds and invest in all types of private equity funds. Mm -hmm. And that was designed that way so that we could educate the market about the opportunity. We would be able to invest in funds and primarily newer funds across the country, and we had capital from a consortium of investors enabling us to do that. So the Fund of Funds was an investment vehicle, number one, but number two, it educated investors, and it also allowed us to aggregate enough capital to invest in funds that were investing in all types of of businesses. Mm -hmm. And what kind of people did you have to pitch? Was it Pension funds, was it VC funds or corporate funds, family offices, high net worth individuals, all of the above? It was primarily pension funds. There were a few high net worth types that we pitched at the time, but primarily uh, public pension funds. And and let's talk about you as the investor, because for us this season, we really want to 
present the marketplace with a playbook of very successful investors who have invested across the spectrum, but who've also been intentional around multicultural investments. And you obviously started doing that very early on. But how do you get your investors comfortable that you were investing in funds that were actually founded by multicultural investment executives? Because that didn't exist a lot in the marketplace either. So how did you get these investors, or better known as limited partners, LPs, how did you get them to buy in? So very early on, and actually was the principle on which Fairview was founded, is that diversity in the private equity business was essential. And we knew there was talented individuals across the diversity landscape, both in gender and in ethnic diversity. And so that was a part of Fairview Day One. That was the principle on which we were founded. And what we realized early on, thankfully, is that a fund of funds has to have a large platform. And so we knew we had to expand. And we knew that as we were building diversity into even existing funds or funds that were founded by those who were of uh, diverse backgrounds, that we needed to have a large universe. So what we did and what we've done and what we continue to do is to make sure that that's a principle, a core principle of Fairview. And as a result of that, Our network is deep. And then we came out of the business where Larry was with a private equity firm investing in entrepreneurs of color and gender. And I was running a trade association focusing on diverse firms. So when firms were looking to start and build, they came to Fairview. They still come to Fairview. They trusted us. They saw what we had built and continue to build. And they saw the seriousness and our commitment. So it was not just about being able to get the best returns. Of course, that goes without saying. But it was about a belief system. And we believed in what we were doing. And therefore, folks came to us and continue to. So we see the growth of the emerging market, if you will, every day. Mm -hmm. Literally every day. People are looking to start looking to grow. They take constructive criticism. We say no a lot, but the relationship continues. They stay in close contact. The relationships are there in such a way that it's sticky. Mm -hmm. So they're comfortable and they trust Fairview. But here's where I was teasing you in the beginning of this conversation, calling you a unicorn. But here's one of the reasons that I do that. And I wasn't joking, is that most fund of funds and most institutional investors don't like to be the first money in. But with many of the names that you invested in, you were the first money in. So where where did you get that courage or was it just the overwhelming belief system, as, as you've said, that drove you and you had already sold that to the LPs? Well, I think you have to be true to who you say you are mm-hmm. and what you say you're going to do. And for us, many of these individuals coming out of investment banks, wanting to build investment firms, and this, of course, has become quite popular over time, we have to be able to continue to build networks because this business is really about people. Mm-hmm. And it's people who you feel can can execute on certain business approaches and strategies. So we have to be comfortable with, and they have to be comfortable coming to us. And I think between Larry and me, there was no issue around that. We had different backgrounds, mm-hmm. different relationship bases, and we were able to really build on that. But as we built out, that continued with 
the other investment principals and partners that we had at Fairview. So we've been able to do it consistently over time. And to be honest with you, Carla, to really be unique in the fund of funds business, because there's a lot of them now. And we do want other fund of funds to be able to look at diversity and the emerging markets in a positive way and realizing that you do not just have to be a white male to be successful. We're not excluding them in the mix, but Certainly, brain power and ability is not only resident in a white male. Mm -hmm. It's much broader than that. And so we basically are uh, testing and basically proving that. And we have over 25 years that that is, in fact, correct. Mm -hmm. And we're proud of it. We don't apologize for it. We do not apologize for expanding the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And that's what we think we've done. And by the way, we think others have taken that on and are embracing it as well. So, Joanne, you mentioned that it was important to invest in diverse funds. So talk to us about how you did that. I think that diversity is important at every level and also from the perspective of recruiting talent to a particular business opportunity because the business opportunity could be at all levels of development. So part of the uh, opportunity is to be able to bring in diverse talent into the businesses that the investment funds are investing. And then at the same time, we think it's very important that the funds that are coming to us to raise capital, that they're diverse because it would beg the question is how do you really invest in diverse funds if there's no diversity uh, with respect to the investment executives? So we're looking at it at every single level. Yeah, and I would argue that was unique. You looked at the continuum. So you would have looked for a private equity fund that was founded by a multicultural founder, or you would have looked at a private equity fund that was not founded by a multicultural founder, but yet was seriously looking for investments in communities of color or with companies that had a multicultural Mm -hmm. or a female founder. So you went all the way through the continuum. Give me an example of one of the funds that fit that profile. Early on, we invested in a fund, ICV Partners. And the founder of that fund in this particular case was uh, African-American. And he was uh, looking to build a fund, had a very impressive investment banking background. And he worked with Fairview early on, got our input. He had to come back a couple different times. And at the end of the day, when all things were completed and they were officially on the road raising money, we were their first institutional investor. Mm -hmm. And they are now on their fourth fund with a very diverse group of uh, GPs. And in terms of the portfolio they developed, they have made sure that they have uh, included and incorporated in the companies they're investing in multicultural employees and and those and executives. Mm -hmm. And but not solely. As I know that fund that you're talking about, they have a diverse fund. Oh, not solely. Absolutely. Some entrepreneurs of color, some that are not. Absolutely. 
So, Joanne, you're starting to see competition in that space now? Because I, I would contend, and one of the reasons they were so happy about the Multicultural Innovation Lab at Morgan Stanley is I said, clearly the marketplace has been missing this because you only have 4% of venture capital dollars going to women, less than 2% going to people of color, and yet you have great deals there. So clearly there's a market in equity, which means for us it's a commercial opportunity. But what are you seeing now in terms of competition or people actually looking for the same properties that you've been investing in for a quarter of a century? Yes, there's competition. Yeah. But in order for the marketplace to grow, there had to be competition. Yeah. And there's enough room for the capital coming into those funds for for those investment executives to take advantage of all of it. Mm -hmm. The piece that where Fairview still has an advantage is that we find it early. Mm -hmm. We invest in it early. We uh, believe in it early. And that is difficult to do. Mm -hmm. And by the way, we're all involved in competition, but it doesn't have to be negative. Yeah. It can be positive. Uh, there should be an ability to be able to network and share and grow organizations. I don't have to grow Fairview at your expense. There's enough opportunity out there for everybody. Mm-hmm. We want to look for ways to be, you know, on the front line, but I think we will be on the front mm-hmm. line. We have always been on the front line. Mm-hmm. Uh, have we had a couple missteps along the way? Of course. Mm-hmm. Have we had to do course corrections? Of course. But we think that with respect to how we've done it and how we have been able to grow, I think we've done that correctly. Mm-hmm. Well, you actually bring up a good point because one of the points that I made in our report that was released fourth quarter of last year around the trillion dollar opportunity to invest with women and multicultural entrepreneurs was that the messenger does matter. Who's asking about the deal? Who's asking about the investment opportunity matters a lot. So do you believe that the the messenger matters? And if you are being a good citizen in this space, it gives you an edge on being able to find the deals? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And not only that, we are comfortable with competition. Yeah. We don't need to use negative strategies to compete. One other thing, Carla, and I think this you can never replace, is that we have deep networks. Mm -hmm. Our networks are deep Mm -hmm. and broad. And I think that makes a huge difference because our frame of reference, why we are doing this, it's not just about success because that's the only way we can stay in business, but it's also about belief. And it's also about knowing that our people, broadly defined, can and do succeed. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. believe that. So what do you think other investors don't see? I get asked this question all the time. Okay, Carla, you say that it's an outsized investment opportunity to invest in multicultural entrepreneurs and women, that you can make more money, but why haven't people done it? What, what don't they see? Well, I just think people do not take the time. And we're in a multicultural country, but in terms of people's relationships and networks, they tend to be pretty insular. So if you don't have broad networks of people and relationships, uh, you're just not going to know. Mm -hmm. And the energy that you have to put into developing it, for the most part, most people are not going to want to be bothered. They're more interested in piggybacking on you, which is okay. That's fair. Watching to see what you're doing and and picking them up. And I think that's fair because we want more capital coming into very good firms. But in terms of developing it and shaping it and digging deeper and deeper, 
no, people are just not going to be bothered with that, and nor are they going to put the time into it. So do you think it's a data issue? Do you think the more you advertise with real hard numbers how well this market does, do you think that will attract more people because now their LPs will say, well, wait a minute, you're not getting the returns on your fund that a Fairview is getting because they do have access to the entire market and you're just looking at a piece. I mean, to use Warren Buffett's analogy, right? He said, why would I want to ever leave women out? Because that's 50% of the population and 50% of the intellect, right? Right, right. You know, it's hard for me to analyze what and why other people do what they do. And I think there are a lot of reasons. But I just don't think you really get to understand what you are trying to grow and develop if you don't get close in. Mm -hmm. If you're just sort of, you know, reading numbers or if you're too far away from the opportunity set, you just are not going to be able to grow and develop it. How can you do that? Mm -hmm. We're close in. I am close in. I want to know what you're doing. I am interested in what is happening. I'm interested in understanding what it is you feel you are developing. And when people understand and see that you are legitimately interested in what it is you're doing and willing to give advice and honest advice, people then relax and they're willing to really open up and talk about what it is they want to do, their goals, their objectives. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. Mm -hmm. But at least there's open and honest conversation and people feel it's confidential, mm -hmm. that it's not mm -hmm. going to be on the street. It's not going to be talked about outside of that room. Mm -hmm. It's confidential. We've got 25 years of that. Mm -hmm. The funds that we have built and, you know, those are looking for emerging managers and wanting to build an emerging manager, next generation, that type of thing. We have been able to do that well yeah. uh, with our existing investors in different formats. Mm -hmm. We actually just completed a relationship with the Ford Foundation where they now are looking at and wanting to develop a fund which they closed on with us. Oh, congratulations. Um, on the whole issue of diversity. And I think they'll have some essays on that we have to expand the market opportunity in the marketplace. And the Ford Foundation feels that they are going to be taking leadership in mm -hmm. that area. Well, you bring me to the next issue because given the obstacles that are out there, it sounds like you have been successful in educating other funds by bringing them alongside you or having them invest behind you in transactions. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because this is a, a little bit of a playbook for the marketplace. Joanne, what do you think other funds should do that find investing in this space challenging? Well, I think you have to look at hiring a diverse set of investment professionals. So that's what you would say to your competitors who haven't played in this yes, space. And okay. I think we're seeing that actually okay. beginning to happen. I think that's number one. I think number two, you have to explore what is it that they are trying to accomplish? What are you trying to accomplish as a firm? And being able to step back and look at yourself and say, where are we and where do we want to go? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really critical. And that takes time. And that's hard because if you've done if you have done business in a certain way and now you're looking to take a and I'm not even saying a sharp turn, just a slight turn, just go around <laughs> just the bend, lean. just to <laughs> lean around. That takes time. And you also need certain kind of people yeah. uh, who are willing to do that. One of the things that we've had to deal with and I think still have to deal with 
is if you say, listen, we're looking at diversity, that all of a sudden means you're not looking for a return Mm -hmm. or it's social Mm -hmm. or it's social action. And then we spend, you know, all this time saying, no, diversity does not mean compromise compromise or less than and all the other things that we have to defend. And so Larry and I both were sensitive in terms of how we present Fairview over time, what we were saying about Fairview, everything. Mm-hmm. The next generation behind us or two, totally different. One of our young partners we were talking about, we need to be proud of this. We need to be, you know, I'm loud and I'm proud. And we need to speak it in a more proactive way. And that was, that was illuminating for me to say, mm-hmm. wow, mm-hmm. I'm not moving mm-hmm. either mm-hmm. In, in so many ways. Ah. I had a headset that was stuck in the 70s, 80s, yeah. right? Yeah. In terms of what has to happen when you're developing to be cautious about how we would be perceived mm-hmm. and how we had to carefully um, navigate that. That's much different for the for the next group. Mm-hmm. And they have been very proactive mm-hmm. and proud of it. And why not? Yeah. And that has been an excellent exercise as well Mm -hmm. for us to say we've always been proud of what we've done. We've always been proactive about it. We've always found strategies of how to promote it. It doesn't have to be veiled Mm -hmm. quite the same way. Yeah. And that was eye opening as well. So let me ask you about that. Are you seeing part of the drive and the change happening or that could happen because the limited partners, the large pension funds are now standing up to say, We really care about this. And what do you have in this space looking for this now in the marketplace to invest in in a way that they might not have been in the 90s? I think just like we have changed with respect to people, Mm -hmm. they also have in terms of the professionals that are on that side of the of the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, And sometimes, you know, you can stay still and everything's changing around you and you don't realize it and you don't make the change. So that's changed. They have seen the opportunity and they have seen the opportunity coming from other investment executives Mm -hmm. as well. So I think we're seeing the world begin to turn. And that's necessary, Carla, because if we don't have more people in the game doing the work, it's not going to substantially change. So I think we're seeing it slower than you and I would want to see it. Mm-hmm. But we do see it happening. Mm-hmm. So we always like to give our listeners an opportunity to get to know you as the person, not just as the expert that you clearly are. So we like to do a little fun lightning round around personal things. So just give me your first, uh, the first answer that comes to your mind when I say winter or summer? Spring. <laughs> Definitely not winter. <laughs> uh, coffee or tea? Tea. Okay. Email or phone call? Email. Favorite thing about Howard University? The energy, the relationships. I went to a high school of 600 graduating seniors, and I was the only black graduating senior. So Howard was like a refuge for me. I couldn't wait to get there, and I cried the day I had to leave. Oh, wow. What's one word that you'd like to use to describe your legacy? Activist. All right, Joanne, thank you so much for spending the time with us. This has been extraordinary. Thank you, Carla. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Access and Opportunity. I'm your host, 
Carla Harris. Next week, we have the pleasure of sitting down with Charles Hudson, the founder and managing partner of Precursor Ventures, a seed stage venture capital firm that has prioritized diversity without sacrificing returns. See you then.